Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bandroom Podcast. My name is Dylan Maddox. And I'm Kate Nishimura. How is it going, Kate? It's going pretty well. How about you, Dylan? Oh, pretty good. Good. Uh, Now that we've done this new schedule, I feel like it's been weeks. Well, it has been weeks. It has been a few weeks. Since I spoke to you last. I know. And that's because the last, well, the latest episode is one that I was not a part of, actually. So it has been a few weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we'll just, we'll get, just dive right in. Um, This episode was the first one for since a long time that I've done an in-person interview and that's because the guest was visiting Arizona State University and I thought what a wonderful opportunity mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be just to do this in person rather than try to zoom Kate in and maybe even zoom us in from the same building which would mm-hmm. be very strange so I had the great pleasure of speaking with Dr. Dale Lawness, which is very exciting. Um, Dale Lawness is someone who is very hard to kind of pigeonhole into what he does because he's done everything. (laughs) At age 25, he became the director of athletic bands at Northwestern. After that, became director of bands at the University of Missouri. And then after that, became dean of music at the University of Manitoba. And then after that, he began running orchestras as an administrator. And he missed teaching and conducting so much that he ended up going back and freelancing. And that's kind of where he is now. Uh, so it was an amazing time uh, speaking with him. And not only that, but being able to learn from him for that whole week before that interview was just it was one of those weeks where you know that this is going to have a great impact on you for kind of the rest of your life. Because mm-hmm. when they when they made Dale, they kind of broke the mold. He's he's an amazing human <laughs> being um, who is very interested in engaging with others and uplifting others, um, and just a phenomenal teacher. So I had a great time chatting yeah. with Dale. That's yeah. awesome. I'm so glad that you had that experience and a little bit jealous envious of you um but i'm really glad yeah it it makes so much more sense for you to have had that conversation in person even though i couldn't be there so listeners i'm right there with you i get to hear this for the first time because i was not a part of it um but yeah it sounds like a really really exciting and inspiring conversation yeah you're gonna enjoy it and it was yeah it was and it was especially great for me to do because uh it's such an honor for me to kind of name dale in my lineage of yeah. of conducting teachers because he was uh, Jason Castler's teacher and mm-hmm. actually I think many other of my other teachers teachers so yeah <laughs> it's kind of a, a cool thing um, but before we get to that conversation I want to do something that I haven't done in a while and that is share a review of the month I, it, well it's been numerous months so <laughs> review of by month anyway. yeah uh, so this this month uh, we have. A review from either S. Vandegriff or S. Vandegriff. <laughs> Y'all need to get, I just don't understand the username sometimes, but I appreciate <laughs> you leaving us a review. And it starts with a pedagogical great resource. Wonderful. And five stars. Thank you so much. They say, love the podcast. As an almost first year teacher, I love hearing from people who have done the thing for many years now. Also, greatly love being exposed to new repertoire. As a born and raised Texan, it is especially very cool to hear how music education lives in Canada. Well, thank you for that review. It's greatly appreciated. 
Yeah, thanks so much. I remember, you know, being at that stage of life too, still in school or kind of just recent graduate. And it's always so inspiring to hear from people who are in the field doing the thing, as the review said. So that's <laughs> awesome. I'm really glad, <laughs> really glad to have that influence. Um, yeah, and thank you so much to everyone else who has kindly taken the time to leave a rating and or a review for us, whether it's, you know, mentioning the podcast to friends or family or teachers or students and subscribing, liking our social media posts, leaving comments, all of these things are really, really helpful to us. And, you know, all of that support goes a long way. So we really appreciate it. And if you haven't already done that, please take the time now to click subscribe or you know, select a five-star rating if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds and it helps us so much. Um, yeah, it's just a couple ways you can support us. And speaking of ways to support the podcast... You could become a patron of the Bandroom Podcast by visiting patreon.com slash bandroompod where you can have access to bonus episodes, Zoom hangs with Kate and I, as well as many other things. And let me tell you that this week's bonus episode is very good. Dale shares a story involving uh, his time at the University of Illinois where um, he was actually on the rugby team and um, <laughs> something happened on the field, a kind of a hilarious story that involves <laughs> involves rugby marching bands and um actually probably our second uh our second story that involves throwing up so uh, <laughs> so it's worth it's worth your weight in uh in i don't know lattes yeah. to uh invest into <laughs> into patreon so thank you for those of you that are patrons and and continue to support us through that way but you can learn more by checking out patreon.com slash bandroom pod but without further ado here is my conversation with Dr. Dale Lannis. Here we are for another exciting, truly exciting Bandroom podcast. And I know I say that every week. Um, and this week, First of all, I'm by myself, which is kind of sad, but it's because uh, I'm in person for the first time in, in months and months and months. And uh, what a person to be in person with. I have the great honor and pleasure of being joined by Dr. Dale Lawness. Welcome to the band room. Well, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Even though it looks a lot like a hotel conference room. <laughs> it does. It's yeah. lovely. <laughs> but no, it's it's really a, a treat and an honor to to be able to sit down with you and, and just learn a little bit more about you and ultimately share it with, with our audience, which is great. Thanks for inviting me. So the first thing that I always start with is where, why, and how did your musical journey begin? Well, I grew up outside of Chicago. Um, we were in a pretty poor neighborhood. My my father was actually worked for the railroad. He was a conductor, so I always wanted to be a conductor. I just got it wrong, and uh, so boom, boom, ching. And uh, but uh, yeah, so we didn't. We lived in a pretty rough neighborhood, uh, mostly Hispanic, um, black neighborhood, mm -hmm. and uh, so. But he, early on in, in his life, he had played with the Dorsey brothers. He was oh, wow. uh, much older than me. I was, the, I was not a mistake. I was just uh, <laughs> a surprise. <laughs> and uh, 
But uh, he was a really fine trombonist, amateur, of course, by mm-hmm. the time that I knew him, you know, when he was older and he had just been working. And uh, But he pulled out his trombone and um, played I'm Getting Sentimental Over You. And it was just, it was, so I was about grade four. Okay. And, um, but I started actually out on trumpet. They started me on trumpet, yes. thought, thought that would be a good idea. So then I went through high school, had great teachers, went to the University of Illinois, mm-hmm. um, uh, had great teachers there, of course. Yeah. And then I went on to teach and uh, taught for five years mm-hmm. and did grade school, junior high, general music for a year, and then junior high band, and then up to high school band. Yeah. And then after that, I was I felt like I'd taught all my students everything I needed to to teach well no that's not it <laughs> i taught them everything i know i knew yeah. <laughs> there we go not that they needed to know so i thought well i need i need to get my masters so mm-hmm. then i applied for john painter's program at northwestern uh, so i got my masters there and during that year he hired me to stay on and run the marching band yeah no big deal yeah Just... no it's like wow 25 years old <laughs> faculty at northwestern i think people were saying who are you and how did that happen? But yeah. my my high school band had gotten some pretty pretty good notoriety in the marching bands of America mm-hmm. at that time, and uh, so I was a pretty good marching band director, I guess. And yeah, and then I also taught conducting in Northwestern. Right. and went on from there. Beautiful. And I, I want to go back because we are sitting here right now, but hours ago you were working with the ASU Wind Symphony on Armenian dances, and you just mentioned the University of Illinois. So I was wondering if you could talk about a bit of your time there and maybe sure. even what what you told the, the band and just the kind of the opportunities that, sure. you, that you had there. Well, I was very fortunate. I had had uh, Harry Bejan as my all-state band director the year before my freshman year of, of university. And uh, so then I went to the University of Illinois and Made made uh, principal chair in euphonium, even though my major was trombone, because mm-hmm. I wanted I really wanted to be a jazz player, <laughs> and uh, just kind of follow my dad's footsteps. But right. then I changed later because I really loved working mm-hmm. with groups and conducting. But uh, uh, so yes, I got to work with Armenian dances and Alfred Reed when he was uh, there, and the rehearsals that uh, I remember sitting in a rehearsal with Alfred Reed and. He stopped the band, and I'm sitting there playing euphonium, and he looked at me and said, is that the way you're going to play that phrase? <laughs> and uh, what, how do you answer that? <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I got through that. and so, But it was really a great experience. I played, I, I always say I squeezed a four-year program into five years at the University of Illinois. And, there we go. Because <laughs> I actually had to leave school. I was there for a semester, and then I left school. Um, because I was putting myself through school right. because my father had actually passed away just before I left for university. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I didn't get to play the premiere of Armenian. I didn't get to be on the <laughs> album. I wasn't in the picture, but I, I got to got to play it with with Harry Bijan, yeah. Alfred Reed. So it was really an amazing experience. And then, yeah, playing uh, principal for principal euphonium at times for uh, different times for for. Harry and mm-hmm. different groups and also Bob Gray and the wind ensemble. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, then I also was a rugby player at Illinois. <laughs> so that was, uh, I, I really loved playing rugby. The coaches at Illinois were from New Zealand. The, oh, one of the, the best, real deal, yeah. best teams in the world. Mm-hmm. They were former all black players who were coaching at Illinois. So wow. I got a chance to uh, play rugby 
and that's what actually extended my into my fifth year. To, okay. <laughs> so to play another year of rugby. Hey, that's pretty. That's much better than my fifth year because I just was not a good student my first year. So yeah, well, I wasn't a very good student. <laughs> I can tell you that. So. <laughs> well, no, that's great. Our friends at the Interprovincial Music Camp will be hosting their first beginning band camp, summer of 2022. Can't read music? No problem. No experience is required. All campers ages 9 to 12 are welcome. Learn from amazing faculty like Jackie Sue and a team of specialists. They'll teach everything from instrument assembly to first notes and bring you to your first performance. You'll also get to benefit from masterclasses with world-renowned faculty to learn more about your instrument. Don't have that instrument? Also, no worries! Because instruments will be available courtesy of Long and McWade when you get to your first camp session. Choose from flute, clarinet, alto sax, trumpet, French horn, trombone, euphonium, tuba, or percussion. IMC facilities are second to none with fully equipped cabins, outstanding meals with one of the chefs dedicated to preparing meals for those with specific dietary needs. You'll have a great time learning about music, but also enjoying a true camp experience with traditional activities such as swimming, sailing, water skiing, beach volleyball, and much, much more, as well as evening programs for campers each night after the faculty concert. Register today at www.campimc.ca to learn a new instrument, be inspired, have fun, and make memories that will last a lifetime. And uh, and at Northwestern, I mean, to I'm I, I the, one of the real reasons I'm so excited to sit down with you is just because you're part of kind of my conductor teacher yes, lineage, yes. which is which is very cool. And then to hear about all the people that you've studied with, also, um, and one of those people, and one of the one of the people that we use a lot of his stuff from is uh, Benjamin Bloom. Yes, and uh, a lot of our score study technique we use at ASU is inspired by him, and then ultimately through you. Um, so it's kind of a, a really cool thing. So I was wondering if you could kind of talk about your study with him, and and how that kind of influences your uh, leadership philosophies and and anything else. Oh, absolutely, uh, Ben Bloom. I don't know if anyone, if you don't know him or forever saw pictures of him, or he's a tiny person. He <laughs> kind of reminds of Yoda. You know? and, uh, he's this amazing mensch of a person. <laughs> and I was so fortunate. I was on faculty at Northwestern, and he had, he had been forced to retire at the University of Chicago. So he took on some extra teaching at Northwestern University. Okay. So I'm on faculty, but I really wanted to study with him. Uh, so I took... A uh, couple courses with him, and then he actually helped me with my. He was on my doctoral committee because okay. I, when I had my master's, I said I was hired with my master's at Northwestern, but I really wanted to get my doctorate. So I studied started my doctoral program at University of Illinois, but they let me uh, allow Ben Bloom to be one of on my committee. Oh, great! And uh, so I did my dissertation based on uh, on his taxonomy and his mm -hmm. uh his leadership and all of his uh tenets and uh he didn't know a thing about music i mean he 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 loved music he would go to the symphony but yeah. um there were only two students who ever took his uh information uh another one is ramona quinn and she's brilliant i, right. I am not even in the same league with her she's an amazing person but she's she uh did her work with uh, with Dr. Bloom or on Dr. Bloom's things, and she's written a couple books. Right. But the, what 
what was so great about it is that uh, he was blunt, and you know, and so was John Painter. <laughs> you know, that was that old school where you know they're going to tell you like it is. And uh, so, studying with him, I remember sitting in a room with him and going over one of the chapters of my dissertation, and he goes, "You know, I, I get that you're you must be a pretty pretty good." music teacher to, you know, you're under 30 and you're on faculty at a, one of the world's greatest music faculties. <laughs> and, uh, so you, you must be a pretty good music, music teacher. But he said, <laughs> but really not a good teacher, <laughs> seriously, not a good teacher. And I, I was like, oh. and that right then I thought he was just going to go off my committee and not be a part of it. I right. thought, oh, are you trying to let me down and say, I'm not going to do this? But no, what he meant was, is that I really had good ideas. I, I was smart enough, but I, I didn't have linear sequential teaching abilities. Mm -hmm. And that is what I learned from him. I, he really forced me to take a step back and look at where does it begin? We started with the spiral curriculum of, you know, like you've heard Bruner and other people, but he really forced me to think about the step-by-step -step sequential of what it takes to teach, but then leading up to, but he also had this big brain that looked to the big picture. So that's, that's really what he taught me was mm -hmm. he said, you know, you're a pretty good musician, but now you can be a better teacher. And, right. and honestly, that's what led me to leave Northwestern eventually was mm -hmm. after I got my doctorate after I, I had, didn't finish my doctorate, but I, I was just about finished with all the research. And I thought, you know, I want to go out and do more on this work rather than continuing my position with the marching band at Northwestern. Right. And, and I had already, I had done the jazz band at Northwestern for a few years, but I had already stopped that when I started my doctorate. But I, I really thought there was just much more for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so glad I did because it, I did, I finished my doctorate and then it took me two or three years to really find my own way with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm, I was so lucky to have Ben Bloom on, and on my, on my side. And I had Charles Leonard, uh, studying at the University of Illinois with Charles Leonard, just an, another from Leonard and House. Maybe you probably don't know all of those books. Those are so old. But they, <laughs> that was the, that was the, really the. Uh, way people taught back then yeah. based on Leonard and House. And so very fortunate being at the right place at the right time, even just getting the job at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. I, I think back the reason <laughs> John really loved my marching, my high school marching band. Yeah. He actually came out and saw it before he let me into the program. Okay. So I was the TA with the marching band and, uh, and it just how happened that Don Casey, who was one of the marching band directors at the time, was going back to get his doctorate in okay. Illinois, so there was an opening. So I went, became the assistant, and then, then after a year of it being the assistant, then I got the the head job for the marching band. But mm -hmm. um, I just I, I learned so much from that position and John Painter, and I was just fortunate to be at the right time yeah. with John Painter before he became ill and passed eventually. And then also Ben Bloom, before he became ill and passed eventually. Is there a pattern here that I? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But so I and again, Charlie. I was one of Charles Leonard's last okay. dissertation wow. people uh, students. So just lots of great great things yeah. and the opportunity to study with different people. Well, it's, yeah, it's a, it's amazing and and to hear 
and to hear and see how you've kind of translated his teaching and, and put it into this into digestible things for us mere <laughs> musicians to understand it's been, it's it's really amazing and actually i want to this isn't a question that i sent ahead of time bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. but i was i was wondering just because uh when i first started my post-secondary teaching i was 27 mm-hmm. so uh and there's a lot there's a lot that goes on mentally whenever you're that young and i can't, i can't even imagine being 25 at northwestern so what like what was that like <laughs> like just on a like a psychological level <laughs> I, well when you go to faculty meetings that was my my first big lesson yeah going to the the faculty meetings and john just said sit there and keep your mouth shut <laughs> because oh, i needed that advice and it was really good advice because yeah. faculty meetings i mean i'm sitting there you know in faculty meeting with fred hemke and Wally Kajala and and uh, <laughs> Bud Herseth. Well, he wasn't on faculty then, yeah. but he would come to meetings with uh, what's his uh, the trumpet teacher. Oh my goodness, I feel awful. Oh, uh, uh, Vince. Vince. Oh yeah, Vince. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, not Bud, but Vince would yeah. be there, and and I was just sitting there, and uh, I was like, wow, it's like it's yeah. It was good <laughs> advice. Keep your mouth shut. And what I one time they were talking about music stands for the recital hall. And I said, you know, we really need more music stands for the recital hall because I'd had my recital there when I was my master's student. And, mm-hmm. and with her looking, everyone just looked at me and I remember this. The faculty was like turned around and looked at me and like, we don't, not everyone uses music stands for the recitals. Yeah. <laughs> so we need one stand and a piano, you know. <laughs> okay, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was, but the on the other hand, Fred Hemke, really became my my biggest champion mm. uh he he was so kind to me and everyone really was kind to me mm. and frank chrisofoli they came out and did sectionals with the marching band oh, and yeah. uh, uh really uh, it was really they were really kind and yeah I, I learned so much from being surrounded by that many great musicians yeah so that's beautiful yeah and um, and after Northwestern, you were off to the University of Missouri, right, uh, to be director of bands. Tell us right. a, a little. Bit, I know you were there for thirteen years, right. but could you tell us just a little bit about about your time there? Sure. Uh, like I said, I I was in the middle finishing my doctorate and realized the philosophy at Northwestern is they get great players already pretty polished by the time they come even as undergraduates mm-hmm. and the graduate program and so forth and i i'm really honored that i i you know i held my own with the musicians there right. uh but i thought you know what my father was originally from missouri and there was an opportunity to go there so and i thought you know i i'm i'll always be the marching band director and the lowest person on the faculty mm-hmm. in the in the band area and it's time for me to move on so i did and um they i mean we built a good program at missouri we didn't have the greatest studios there always mm-hmm. but uh but we did lots of great things there by the we start i started with one band and by the time about four years in by the time i got tenure we had four band four concert oh, bands yeah. and we had a, a large, they hadn't really had a graduate program there much, mm-hmm. but so I brought in a lot of former Northwestern students <laughs> to be in the graduate program. And, and actually that was just self-serving because I said, hmm, 
I really need a really good <laughs> trumpet player for my wind ensemble. Yeah. So how would you like to study conducting with me? <laughs> so, yeah. so that was really a great experience and uh, I loved it there. Uh, but it was then, I also realized that I was not going to uh, ever have be at the top of, of everything I wanted mm -hmm. to be. And I really, I was doing all this bloom work. I was really applying it to music and I wasn't having the opportunity to, to do the research that I wanted. Yeah. So that's when I left to, and I, there was an opportunity to become Dean at the faculty of music at, well, it wasn't, it wasn't Dean then it was a director of the school of music okay. at the university of Manitoba. And when I got there, I had a provost who said, okay, I want to build this program because mm -hmm. we, I think we had 90 music majors when I arrived at the university of Manitoba. And, uh, he said, I want to, I want to build this program. So within a few years, I, I built a master's program there. Uh, we hired more faculty. We were up to about 220, 230 students yeah. for very quickly. Um, and, uh, but then cancer struck. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I was out and when I, right when I became ill, a new provost came in with a whole new mentality about, I'm going to kill the, the music program because it's too expensive mm -hmm. and I wasn't there to fight for it. And, right. and we really were at loggerheads. He, he really disliked me and I didn't care for him very much. And <laughs> so when I was able to come back after a, about 18 months of cancer work, mm -hmm. uh, chemo and radiation, and, uh, I just said, I'm, I'm not coming back. Okay. And then, but an opportunity came along at the Winnipeg Symphony. Yeah. They and I had worked with their fundraisers at the university, and so they hired me as as uh, executive director of the Winnipeg Symphony. Wow! So, I moved right into that, and it was great. It was a great move, and I, they, they had been in deficit, like two million dollars in deficit for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Within a year and a half, I'm proud of this. We got them in the black, and they they've been in the black ever since. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I stayed there, and then I, two years, a little over two years, and then I decided, you know, I, I need to come back to the United States mm -hmm. and be near my brothers. And, right. uh, so I did that, and I took a job at Elgin Symphony in Chicago. Right. Stayed there for six years, and, and then I thought, I'm not teaching. I'm not really doing <laughs> my passion. I know how to raise money, and I know how to do all these things, but I really need, I really need to be back in my greatest love, which is teaching. Yeah. So I never left my conducting studio. I always had students, right. but um, so that's when I started Music Mentors. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's like, that that was one thing I forgot to say in my intro. The man who has done it all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> excuse me. There's just like... A legend in my own mind. Yeah. Yes. And, I, and I, <laughs> we think now to how we teach students in an undergraduate program or a graduate student, and it's often to be someone like that, <laughs> to be able to take what we've learned here and use it here and, and all of this. Um, but I want to swing back to one thing you said in rehearsal today, and also you just said it now. I'm interested in the human, and I'm interested in making people better. So to hear you say that, it was just, uh, especially today in rehearsal, I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> well, I believe it. I hope yeah. that came across. Yeah. Um, I think I, we mentioned it uh, in the drive over here to, the, to this hotel was that um, I was pleased that uh, Dr. Kassler mm -hmm. noticed that I had, I had connected with everyone in the room mm -hmm. and it's important. I really believe that it's not just something yeah. I do as a, as a, you know, kind of a 
a party trick. Yeah. I really believe it's so important to connect. And that's part of the four pillars that Ardeth Haley and I have created right. uh, for Music Mentors International is our, are the tenants. And, and it really is um, when they were asking me what advice I could give to undergraduate uh, students in music is, you know, find that passion and be stay connected in the engagement part of what we do the mm -hmm. start with artistry mm -hmm. you know start with artistry and really uh, really keep artistry right in front of you at all times but have a clear idea of what you believe and what's important to you mm -hmm. uh, and that's your philosophy and then also the the third part of it is really so you have an opportunity as an undergraduate just to spend the time focused on learning you're learning your craft, the pedagogy, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, but this is what it, I'm leading to, long story, sorry, <laughs> is that it really is about the psychology. Mm -hmm. So when I started my doctoral work with Ben Bloom in, in educational psychology, that's what really, that's what really struck me and, and moved my heart. Because mm -hmm. I was always a pretty good musician. Yeah. I, you know, it came easy to me. And he told me I wasn't a very good teacher. So I got <laughs> that. But I really, Oh, it really did make sense to me that you had to learn about the human being. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be in education today, it's, it's, I think it's even more important. I, well, maybe it's not more important than ever, but it's very important. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. And as someone who had, you know, the last concert cycle worked with that exact band and just not, and to look away from you at one point and to look at them, even while you were just speaking, and to see shiny eyes oh, and to see yeah, them I'm glad you noticed that. Was, uh, I thought was they really, were, but I didn't know them. So. Yeah, but it was, it's a really cool thing. And, um, and not to just change subjects completely, but one thing that you did mention is you played rugby. Yes. And, I, and uh, <laughs> we had worked together like six years ago at a conducting symposium, and I remember distinctly saying I coached rugby, and it was like before you worked with us, so I was kind of like, uh-oh, oh. what, what am I in for here? But I do want <laughs> yeah. to ask... Um, how how has being a rugby player and a coach, and especially at such a high level, which I'll let you talk about, uh, how has that kind of influenced you as a teacher and, and as a conductor? Well, I think I think it's very they're they're parallel uh, to be the best musician to be the best. First of all, I think to be the best teacher you can be, you need to strive to be the best musician. Again, that artistry you have to keep that artistry in front of you. So I was very fortunate to really have great teachers on trombone, euphonium. Uh, conducting teachers at the very highest level with that. But also, like I said, I played rugby and I, I, I learned rugby fundamentals with two of the very finest rugby players in the world from the New Zealand All Blacks. Mm -hmm. And I took that and made the national squad. And, um, and then even so knee injury took me out and mm -hmm. marriage and a baby <laughs> made it impossible for me to continue. But, yeah. but, but it was, I really learned so much being on that team. And then I continued working on my coaching play. I played, I played nationally, but not on the national team okay. for 10 years on different, in different tournaments mm -hmm. and became MVP at several different tournaments. And so I was known nationally and, so then I, I moved into coaching and I really find the same four pillars. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. artistry in rugby. Yeah. Um, I look back on a, I just found this like three months ago. I was looking through old boxes of things and I found an article that had been written about me when I was the captain of the University of Illinois rugby team. 
and we had just won the Big Ten championship. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, well, what, you know, they asked me a similar question, like, well, you're a music major. Like, how, <laughs> how can you be a music major and captain of the rugby team? Right. And I said it was the same thing. It was about my, I had this dream of the perfect rugby match that wasn't about tackling and knocking people down, but it was about beautiful passing and the vision on the field and kicking and passing. And so it's the same thing. So coaching, um, I'll, I'll, I'll dive into my favorite coaching story. Mm -hmm. uh, about seven years ago, we were living in Manhattan, mm -hmm. uh, New York City. And the uh, so I went over to, uh, uh, the, I found out that where the New York rugby clubs practice and I walked in and, and it turned out that the high school girls rugby coach had just broken his leg yeah. and because he was playing for the New York men's rugby club, so mm -hmm. they needed a coach, and they they had some people had known me and my credentials and so forth. So I so I took over, and I'll try to make this quick. The rugby team, this girls' rugby team, was made up of Spanish Harlem girls and Black Harlem girls mm -hmm. who hated each other. They wanted to play rugby, so yeah. they had to be. That was you came to the New York rugby club and you played. They hated each other. They hadn't won. They'd won like one match in five years, and I could tell why. They they were they were not a team. Right. So immediately I started breaking that down, talking about fundamentals, working with them, and so forth. We went to our first tournament, lost every match. You know, there were four matches on the weekend. Just got crushed every <laughs> every match. But I started every time they started yelling at each other, I would pull them off, and we'd play short. And they would, you know, they were saying, well, you can't pull me off. We need, no, I would just pull them off. And so eventually, we actually, by the end of the season, we won our final tournament. We we finished second in the state, you know. <laughs> and it was, and it's based on Ben Bloom's teaching wow. of, of really separating fundamentals and then turning them, uh, applying them to the situations. And it was all based on Bloom, you know. <laughs> and, and also my experience of, raising the bar at the highest level mm -hmm. finding finding the psychology of each child you know, you know each of those girls mm -hmm. and uh so it's very similar it, you know trying to what i said in rehearsal today mm -hmm. uh, you know have those other pillars but really it's so important to know who you're teaching mm -hmm. you you've probably heard this and some other people have probably said it but john painter had a saying about how to teach right you probably i probably no, even no. said it in front of you and you might <laughs> remember as soon as you've heard it it was very simple and it actually goes well hand in hand with bloom's teaching john always said know your stuff mm -hmm. know who you're stuffing <laughs> and stuff them <laughs> and i know that seems really very simple but it's so true if you can just stick to those tenets mm -hmm. of you really become the pedagogue you need to become, be the artist you need to become, but also know who you're stuffing. Mm -hmm. It's so critically important. And I've added a few of, you know, Ardith and I actually have added a few uh, things to that by adding that start with the premise that everyone that you're teaching, every human being actually that you're teaching is basically insecure. Everyone's insecure about something. Yeah. Um, my nose is too big. I I part my teeth down the middle. I don't like my smile. I'm not as good a musician as I need to be. We're all insecure. Mm -hmm. So if we start with that, so when someone comes at us and attacks us or isn't doing what we want them to do, we can start with that premise and say, okay, what's 
What's the trigger here that's that's creating that situation? So the psychology of it is so important, and the psychology of, of successful teams. We just watched a football game on Saturday. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. And I wanted to. <laughs> I just wanted to go in that locker room, and <laughs> say I I can see the problem on the field yeah. because the psychology of it was there was no, there was no sparkle in any of those players eyes and they're you know they're treating them like professionals okay you know this mm -hmm. is a big program but they're still 21 year olds and 22 year olds you, you have to you have to get them engaged and that's the bottom line is yeah i, I don't tell you what to do my job is to engage you to want to do it yeah. so Ardith and i have really worked hard on this and did a lot of research on this about our whole idea is teaching is about being do but not done, D-U-E, D, not D-O, but D-U-E, do but not done, which means that we're constantly just trying to get our students the, all the information they can or we can get them, but they're never done. Yeah. A musician is, you know, we're never satisfied, nope. right? We're never satisfied. So let's, let's, let's just embrace that yeah. and say, okay, here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. I, I'm, it's due. So assignments are due. You know, performances are a due date, but you're not done with that. It's it's a journey. So mm -hmm. that's what Ardith and I talk about. And what it's really based on is moving every child and every adult learner that we have, because we've now had 150 students in our Acadia yeah. program over the last several years, moving them, and it's so funny to watch this, moving them from the extrinsic to the intrinsic moving them from extrinsic motivation, which we've been trained throughout our entire lives. Do this, get the A, be graded, you have to jump through this hoop and so forth. And we try to break that down right from the beginning. And we, we believe we're pretty successful by about the seventh or eighth course of the degree mm -hmm. that they finally, our students finally realize that it really is up to them. It has to, you have to decide what's important right. and you have to decide to go for it. Yeah. And to know your strengths, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so it's so interesting hearing you kind of break all of this down after watching you teach for the past couple of days, and uh, especially hear the parallels from from rugby into music. Um, but even with and we talked about this yesterday uh, after our chamber wins rehearsal about um, usually that class is kind of us working on our conducting technique, and then when I look back at Dr. Castor and I go, was that good? <laughs> and he goes, no, <laughs> or hopefully yes. Yes. Um, but then to see you come into the room and work with us, yes, but to also exactly what you're saying, know who you're working with and to kind of respect the musicians who we had in front of you. And you were asking for musical ideas, you were like, and big picture things. I'm not talking about like, <laughs> I'm like, how many sections are in this piece? I was like, ooh, that's a conductor question. <laughs> but anyway, it was so, it was amazing to see them and mm. they just lit up wanting to kind of do they it. They did, it didn't do they? it. So it was, it's, it's, a, you don't just kind of talk the talk, you, you walk the walk. Well, <laughs> so I, it, for goodness sakes, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So it, that, <laughs> or that, Ardith will take me down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knows? Who knows? Ardith Haley is my business partner and my writing partner, if some, for those of you who don't yeah. know me. Or and maybe we'll her. just, maybe we just go there. Um, and uh, you've, you've mentioned uh, Music Mentors International, you mentioned the great Ardith Haley. Um, but could you tell us kind of what Music Mentors International is all about? kind of all the, the really great 
uh, resources and things that you and artists are doing and creating? Sure. Like I said, I was I was really ready to leave the world of uh, orchestra management, mm-hmm. and uh, so I did that. And I and I I really didn't want to continue and find another orchestra. So Ardith and I talked about why don't we start this company and continue our research, uh, and really because we felt like we could really help teachers. And so basically, what we started doing is is building our philosophy we started doing more and more workshops i would i think i told you earlier Mm -hmm. today that i would go to alberta for six to eight nine weeks during the fall and just do three workshops a day and that was a you know i was of course i was i think i was doing a good job for the students and the directors and so forth but i was really also using that time to really hone our philosophy and and to really work on the pedagogy of teaching again. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what we're about, is trying to make better teachers. Yeah. Our, our Acadia degree is based on our music mentors philosophy. Right. We sold the rights, the, the intellectual property of, of this whole degree program is our, ours, and, it's, and we fit it into Acadia's program. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not, we're not trying to make we're, we're not trying to be a conducting program. Yeah. We have, in that program, we have general music teachers, junior high, choral band, junior high school, choral band, and so forth, and uh, teachers. And that's our, our uh, the idea that we have is to make them more aware of how to teach through the four pillars. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've spent the last since 2013 doing is honing our skills, but also doing research, yeah. doing lots of, and uh, lots of research in the classroom, action research, grounded theory research on mm-hmm. the side, having our students do that type of research, which helps us in our minds. And then we've written books based on all of that. Yeah. And so our goal is just to make better teachers and we really you know, and it's based on Bloom's theories, you know, his, his idea of, uh, finding talent in young people, you know, mm-hmm. that there are three basic stages of talent development, you know, early stages then puberty and beyond, and then artistic stages. Mm-hmm. And then how do you find that and identify that? So those are our premises, you know, that we, and the tenants we build everything on, right. but I can tell, as I said to you in the car on the way over, Ardith is the money on this. You know, I, I have, you know, I've had the research with Dr. Bloom and I've, and, and I've, you know, had some good musical experiences and so forth, but she's the one who puts it all together Mm -hmm. and she's a genius and, uh, she's so passionate about the human beings Mm -hmm. and the human aspect of it. And she's so smart. So it's been a great team effort because like I said, I have the big picture and then she, gets me back to down to the linear sequential and like, just like Dr. Bloom yeah. tried to do. So oh, there we go. So our, our goal is to do that. All right. Is to make better teachers. Oh, that's great. And, and to just in case, Ardith, if you're out there listening to this, <laughs> I'm coming for you. All right. You're next on the podcast. I told Dale in the second. It seems like almost every episode we talk about the importance of community. Often maybe our guests bring it up to why they became interested in band. Community is a big part of why many of us do what we do. 
Absolutely, and that's why I love our new partnership with the Canadian Band Association, to share an opportunity for you to be part of a national community of band directors, musicians, and educators. And becoming a member is easy. By joining your provincial band chapter, you automatically become a member of the Canadian Band Association. No matter if you're in British Columbia, Newfoundland and Labrador, or anywhere in between, there is a band association for you. Yes, even my homeland of Prince Edward Island. They started a new one, which is very exciting. Membership benefits include access to the Canadian Winds Journal, monthly e-news, national insurance program, national youth band audition discounts for students, access to national awards and musician certificates. Not to mention all the great events your own provincial chapters will hold. Conducting workshops, community band events, reading sessions, workshops, and more. Support band and music education in Canada through supporting the work being done by your local chapter. To learn more about how you can become a member of the Canadian Band Association, visit canadianband.org chapters to find info on how to connect with your provincial chapter. That's canadianband.org chapters to learn how you can be part of the Canadian Band community. Uh, but no, it's... it's yeah, because I, I guess I always... You know, I have... I've had so many really great friends who have gone through your program and have only amazing things to say about it. And then I, now, now that I think about it, who those friends are, yeah, they were music teachers at various levels, but also Olivia Braille, mm, uh, yes. another one. Yes, who yes. Was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, and though she is a, definitely a music teacher, yes. you know, kind of more on the performance more, side of things as well. Boring. We freelanced a lot in Toronto together. Um, so it's it's interesting to, to hear hear you say, yeah, we're just making better teachers. Yeah, we really, really believe yeah. uh, that that's our, that's our passion and our goal. Yeah, and we'll, we'll make sure to link anything that we can possibly link sure. about music mentors uh, for, you, for everyone to check out because it's, it's well worth it. Um, Dale just gifted the ASU graduate wind conducting studio with a whole set of the books, so I, I said I was going to steal them <laughs> and possibly bring them home. But uh, We're really proud of the, because, because it's based on Ben Bloom, just one more yeah. plug for that, is we've all learned how to play music and to perform music mm -hmm. through historically tried and true methods. Most of those methods are just through experience. They're experiential. What we've done with, with mentors is, is to take Bloom's theories and see how the brain works to create those sequences in the brain and how we learn. So how the brain learns is what we're about. So we've, we've rebuilt the way you teach counting, for instance, with our Savvy Sight Reader book. Mm -hmm. And uh, the score preparation that you, all, you mentioned yep. that you have is... What, what Dr. Kassler uses is a lot based on our approach about, about how you memorize the score, how you learn the score visually, aurally, tactily, uh, through, through the different ways we learn. And uh, so that's, that's really the, the, the gist of what we try to do is based all on that, the educational psychology of learning and how the brain works and how what we know about cognitive learning. Mm -hmm. Just you can edit this out later, but a quick story <laughs> on this that if you think about 
and I think I mentioned this to your class the other day, if you think about how we all learned how to count, mm-hmm. well, we all had the whole note, the half note, the four quarter notes, that chart yeah. that had all that. And we, we learned how to count and so forth. But cognitively, by the time a child is in about grade four, they're cognitively ready to count one ena, two ena, one put a ampita, two put a ampita, three put a ampita, <laughs> and yeah, and they're they're able to, and people don't teach them that because well they won't need that until they're playing grade four and five mm-hmm. music. Well, if we thought that same way about teaching the alphabet, we wouldn't teach Z or Q or some of those letters, and then all of a sudden we'd see them, and what is oh Q has to be followed by U. We wouldn't have all those, and we wouldn't read in the same way. So. Teach the the we teach within beat rhythms mm-hmm. that then are combined to combine beat rhythms, and we teach iconically first before symbolically. Yeah. So when you have a note head and a stem, that's that's sim, that's symbol, mm-hmm. that's a symbol, not an icon. Whereas we go with a stem only, and then you transfer it to the symbol later. Okay. So that's the premise. Yeah, is iconic learning be um, prior to symbolic learning, based on Ben Bloom's stuff. Feel like you would have saved me a lot of time and pain if we met earlier in my life. Uh, well, people tell us that. <laughs> well, it's it, it all started. You you know that Dr. Castle uses our, the uh, um, my icon sheet yeah. that I developed years and years ago, and yeah. it's in in my other student Shelly Jago is yeah. my student, and she uses it in her books and and so forth. That was all based on Bloom. Yeah. I know visual learning, iconic learning, right? And uh, and I started that because I would get grad students who couldn't do a seven, eight bar to save their life. And <laughs> so I'd say, okay, here's how you visualize that with through icons and yeah. so forth. So yeah, that was that was a new adventure. And it's only like my first semester mm. using those. So it's it's been really interesting. Like, oh because I remember the first time I, I was so excited, marked up the whole score, brought it in, and he went, Oh, you put the circles on the wrong side <laughs> all of these icons. Yes. <laughs> so maybe maybe I could take a picture of a couple of them just to show people yes. on our on our social media. There you but go. uh but no, it, it's been it's been really once once I've gotten the hang of it, it's yeah. Yeah, you automatize that yeah. and then you can visualize those icons and you that like we were talking about studying with Zubin Mehta mm-hmm. the way he memorized the scores and numbers and so forth he memorized it in a certain way so when he was on the podium all he did was listen mm-hmm. it, it opened up his brain to be able to listen the same thing with the icons you'll yeah. learn them you'll, you can learn the sequences of icons if you're doing a Stravinsky piece right. or a, a high level piece that changes meters constantly and it uh, it really does allow you to open your ears yeah. and think. One thing I do need to say, just in case anyone's listening, and in case I need to use this, I'll just remind you that we are in a hotel. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> and I think it's a very clean hotel. Yes. <laughs> as you can. <laughs> it's COVID free. Yeah, as you can hear from the sounds. But I, I remember when we interviewed Dr. Kastler, it was also in a hotel, but we were on a flight path. So it's, oh, <laughs> it's, always, it's always something. Uh, but no, there's just yeah, so much great stuff there with music, music mentors international, and once again, make sure to link everything that we can. Sure. Um, now I have this next question. I feel like I know how you're going to answer it, based on your other answers. But um, certainly, guest conducting honor bands is a lot different than kind of working with your regular ensemble. And um, you're certainly known as one of the best kind of guests. <laughs> legend in band. my own mind, anyway. Oh, yes. Maybe uh, you think the so. The man, the myth. Yes, the Dolly Lanus. The Dolly Lanus. <laughs> Thank you, Darren, for that golden gem. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, but uh, I was wondering, and maybe even the past this week is another example of kind of your mindset when you go into the room. But I was wondering, uh, 
kind of how you approach it and, and the aspects that go into you working with students, um, you know, for the first time for three days, four days, and and how to get the most out of them, but also give them uh, an experience, you know, that they'll remember and be able to use. I really believe it starts with finding the right repertoire. Mm -hmm. So I always would ask, okay, can you send me the list of the last five groups, yeah. honor groups and so forth, and um, whatever you can send me. And then, uh, but what did you really play Yeah. also? Because yeah. the program <laughs> shows that you played, you know, Child's Garden of Dreams with <laughs> with the grade six honor band, and yeah. you didn't play that. Yeah. So tell us, tell me what it was actually on the performance, and actually then tell me what what was successful on that performance. So that it starts that way, finding the right level, and then then choosing a number of pieces that are at different levels, always challenging them but also having a couple of pieces that really are not so challenging technically that you can just really get into the passion of making the music. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and again, it goes back to the four pillars. If we start with the artistry and the engagement, the psychology of it, that's how you make a successful honor group mm -hmm. is because you're, you're, your whole idea is they're psyched to be there. Yeah. They are so happy to be there that they've made this great group. And so you build on that and that engagement and so forth. But then to find and to have the right literature selected. But then it's also just, just you know, you also have to have that it engages every section. You know, how many times have you seen honor bands where they did all host and they had, they had 12 percussionists standing there, yep. you know, and so... Finding things that are have some soloistic piece parts and and so forth, but also that every every student in the ensemble is engaged, mm -hmm. and then I just think having I I really believe that getting off to a great start is the number one secret. Yeah. So like I did today in rehearsal with the band, I I try to engage with every single person while I'm just saying hello and mm -hmm. welcoming welcoming them then and then welcoming them and then on the warm-up before the before the warm-up I've gone back to the percussion and given them and talked to them as a section mm -hmm. and they can be preparing themselves because honor bands take some time to get the percussion sections together and so yeah. forth so but if they're ready to go I'll give them warm-up patterns to mm -hmm. do during our tonal warm-ups oh okay so immediately I have the percussion involved yeah from from the start and I'll say okay hang on for a second Get the, get the sound I want. Okay, add the percussion back in. So that's critically important that you have that relationship. Yeah. So again, building relationships, mm -hmm. and then, but and then I really believe in going through and unifying style is one of the critical approaches in the in the warm ups and, mm -hmm. and getting those things across first. And while you're doing that, you're building relationships with every section and and you're con communicating with each section rather than okay, let's play a warm up and a scale and so forth. Okay, yeah. let's get right into the music. No, I spend a good 20 minutes, half hour with warming up, unifying style right. and so forth. And then you just keep going back to that so it's based on fundamentals mm -hmm. and um, so that's, uh, that really is yeah. the, the secret. Yeah. And I, I think why, why this, this question was triggered was because I was kind of way back to our, our conversation of like, who do you want to be as a professional when you leave here? When, mm, and of course that evolves, yes. but I I was talking to, uh, Jason about the possibility of, of speaking with you and, um, 
and just you know there's kind of two honored band mentalities where i might just yell at you until it's good yeah there is that or there's the way and probably the reason i chose to study with jason where it's kind of that love to greatness attitude which is kind of a cool thing and and that's exactly what you said like this to see you engage with them right away and you know i love that that just assume everyone's insecure <laughs> so just hold yeah. that thought and you'll yeah. everything will be fine yeah so and it, you know so it's, it's a really great thing and and it's something as even though we're talking about honor bands it's something that you know everyone can bring into their rehearsals and not even rehearsals talking to someone in the hallway talking to you the waitress talking to the taxi yes. driver i think so it's a bigger picture of yeah. life yeah i the uh there's another part of it, I think. One of the reasons I left Missouri, I'll go all the way back to the yeah. end. One of the reasons, I knew I wasn't going to ever have the best band to go to CBD and A National. Mm. It just wasn't. And maybe, and quite honestly, I'll just admit it right here in front of everyone on this podcast, <laughs> maybe I wasn't the best musician to be able to do that, mm. you know. And so, you know, pretty good musician, but maybe I'm not that musician to mm -hmm. raise an ensemble in a certain way to get them to that highest level. I thought I did pretty mm -hmm. good. I had some good groups, have some good recordings. Yeah. <laughs> but I realized at Missouri that I was never going to have the group to be, to, to, to really do something special at CBDNA national or even in regionals. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I refused and here's where it gets personal. I refused to, to do, to get a group ready for a CBDNA regional or a national to promote my own career. I'm not saying other people do that, yeah. but that's the way I felt about what I would be doing mm -hmm. because to, in order to get my group up to that level, I would have had to bring in faculty members at some of the weaker studios at the University of Missouri when right. I was there. I just, we, we just, I won't go into <laughs> individual studios that we were lacking, yeah. but at the time it, we didn't have all those horses. So, mm -hmm. so and I realized, that's not going to happen for me here. And it, it really was an opportunity to start thinking more about Bloom and mm -hmm. about putting that philosophy that I'm, we've been talking about this whole time yeah. into play rather than pursuing that being the director of bands and pursuing that path. Mm -hmm. The same thing about all the honor bands and orchestras that I have done. I Are you going to try to beat that orchestra or band in submission <laughs> yeah. to get a to get a reputation for wow that was the most amazing tight performance ever at, mm -hmm. a, at an honor band or is your it's a continuum right it's it's okay perfect performance not going to happen but a really near perfect performance mm -hmm. or and it can be both along the continuum or a near perfect experience for the students and that near perfect experience may not be the highest mm -hmm. level of performance. So if you're using that honor band to try to further your reputation or to do that, I think you can do that. You can beat them in submission yeah. and, and you can make a band sound pretty good. Yeah. But the great ones like John Painter, like Jillian, like, like even, uh, you know, uh, Mallory and mm -hmm. the great people, <laughs> they're not trying to prove anything with those. Right. They're just trying to do a great performance. Yeah. And But then, and even with them, it's a continuum. I would say I'm a little more humanistic than they are. Mm. Uh, they're, they, they want a higher level 
performance that I do. Mm -hmm. So I want the highest level performance, but not at the price mm -hmm. that it might take. Yeah, so no, absolutely. So I, you just have to decide your philosophy is the point. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And because I remember doing my first honor band and going in, doing the first rehearsal, and I was like, oh, wow, How, what, where, like, where do I start tomorrow? And I remember calling Jillian and saying, I, I don't know. She's don't, one of the best. I don't so. know. And she's the one who said, you're just going to love him to greatness. You're going to go in there and you're going to do that. Is. But nice. it all goes back believes. to all what we're talking about here and the philosophy and the the idea and, and the person. And this has been a theme for the past couple of weeks, actually. Our, our, our guest this past week was talking about people. That's the why. That was her why. Mm. Um, so it's really cool to, to kind of hear that again. So if you don't have it in your head yet, listener, <laughs> it will be now. Um, and now we've come to our, our last official question of of this, but I will remind our listeners that we are going to go off to bonus episode land to record a short little bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers, and you can learn more about that by visiting patreon.com slash bandroompod. Hey, that's patreon.com <laughs> slash bandroompod to learn more and to hear that who knows what Dale will tell us. He's already told us so much, both funny, both serious, both inspirational, but oh, who knows you. what it would be. But before we get to that bonus episode, um, could you give us one piece of advice? Maybe it may be to conductors or musicians in general. What would that piece of advice be? Even though, well, you've already given us so much. It's well, I, I really think it's still good. be the best musician you can be first. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we're in a period of time over the last 20 or 30 years, really, that a lot of people loved wanted to become band directors and and teachers because they had a great experience in high school mm -hmm. and uh they but they thought well that's if i just learn all the stuff i need to learn about teaching mm -hmm. to be a pedagogue then i'm going to be a good teacher but i really i still have in my mind that you have to be the best musician you can be to be a music the best music teacher you can be mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean i'm never going to be yo-yo ma i'm i <laughs> I've I've actually worked with Yo-Yo Ma in Jerusalem. <laughs> so I really it's know. humbling, you <laughs> yeah. know, to be around the brain that big and the musicianship that big and to be the, around those faculty mm -hmm. members at Northwestern that I had no right being in the same room with them. Honestly, I believe that, but I didn't. I was just lucky to be there. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be humble or <laughs> insincere. I mean it sincerely. Yeah. But you have to be the best you can be. You, mm -hmm. you have to have strived to be the best. And that's it. You don't have, you may not be. Michael Jordan or Yo-Yo Ma or Zubin Mehta. Mm -hmm. But if you are and you have a mindset to be the best you can be, then I think you can, you can share that with your students and mm -hmm. share that with the other people around you. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's building on the positivity of that yeah. is, is what it's about. That's my advice. Hey. Be the best musician you can be and, work to get them to be the best they can be whatever that level is mm -hmm. yeah no that's that's beautiful advice you can take that and you can put it in the bank right away folks <laughs> um but i just want to take this opportunity dale to thank you so much for taking the time to do this um i know that you were very humble and saying you know you you weren't there you, sh you should have been in the room with these people but i i feel the <laughs> same way right now with you wow. and i just want to thank you so much um, for everything you do especially this week to, to kind of reconnect with you has been really great um been. and uh, i think about 
all of the things that we spoke about in this 54 minutes, I can see the, the, the TikTok going. Um, and there's this kind of that underlying theme of people. And I think about all of the people that you've been able to touch. And I think about how many people they're going to be able to change and to kind of, you know, as cliche as it sounds, improve the world, change the world. And it's really, it's really been a treat and an honor to be able to have this conversation with you. So thank you so much for taking the time to be in the band room, Dale. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for spending time with us in the band room. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed in today's episode, check out the links found on our website, bandroompod.com. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the Bandroom Podcast, give us a rating and a review, and tell all your friends about how much you enjoyed it. If you really love the show, maybe you should consider becoming part of our Patreon community where you can support BRP and get some extra incentives in return. Or you can buy some sweet, sweet BRP merch, helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's on the go. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website, bandroompod.com, where your comment might be featured on a future episode of BRP. The Bandroom Podcast is produced by the wonderful Jonathan Wong. And our theme music is Skyline, composed by EKR Hamill and performed by Dr. Gillian McKay and the University of Toronto Wind Ensemble. Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the Bandroom.